Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. Today, I'm sitting down with Caitlin Deaver, who I think is one of the most dynamic young actors working today. She's already amassed a decade's worth of impressive credits, including acclaimed independents like Short Term 12 and The Spectacular Now. This year, her range is on full display in back-to-back projects. First, Booksmart, which I hope you were able to see. It's a hilarious and outrageous coming-of-age story about two best friends on the last day of high school. And on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Unbelievable a limited series inspired by true events about a young woman who is accused of lying about a rape. It's stunning work. And she admits it's her most challenging to date. In this conversation, we talk about everything from the incredible response to Booksmart, how her unbelievable co-star Tony Collette originally inspired her to start acting, plus her passion for music and the band she started with her younger sister, Maddie. All right. Well, let's talk about your day job for the moment, because you've been super busy. First, you had a big hit with Booksmart, which, of course, was directed by the actress Olivia Wilde, who I should say actually interned at Vanity Fair back in the day. I have known her a long time. I loved what she always says about she's she can't wait for the day when a woman can make a bad movie and it's okay. Yeah, (laughs) it's very true. Yeah, yeah. But this was not that. This was a very good movie. (laughs) Uh, Do you feel like things change for you in in being in that movie? Do you feel like, did you have any idea that that was going to be like a kind of seminal moment in your career? I knew the story was so special and I knew that I loved it so much, but I love a lot of things that I've been a part of and I've learned very quickly that you can love something so much and it can have such a great cast and and an amazing director and all of the boxes are checked and yet no one sees the movie. But I think I was just happy that we, you know, it finally got made and that whatever happened after that, it, it didn't really matter. It was the experience that we all had and shared together. We worked so hard on it. That was what really meant a lot to me because I I read that script like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And Annapurna attached me to the movie, and it was before Olivia had come on to the project, before Katie Silverman had come on. And it was sort of like the first time any production had offered me something, just 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 offered it to me. I didn't have to audition. I didn't have to do anything. 
And that made me, I've, oh, I've always been a little bit, I'm always trying to be realistic with everything mm-hmm. that, that I do. And I'm always like, well, all right, they're probably going to recast me at some point in, during this process. They're not going to offer it to me, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And um, <laughs> I just stayed on and I kept calling Annapurna every once in a while mm-hmm. being like, what's going on with the movie? Is it being made? Am I still a part mm-hmm. of it? They just kept saying, you are still a part of it. You are still a part of it. And then Olivia came on. And then Beanie came on. And Beanie and I, it was our, what was so great about that, too, is that it was our first time leading a film. And I mm-hmm. think what made it so special was the fact that we got to do that together. I think those two girls are sharing something so special in the movie. But then me and Beanie, just as as in our real lives, we were experiencing this this sort of like big moment in our careers together and getting to like hold each other's hand and... Because um, we're talking the whole movie, so we were very nervous going into it about being off book and knowing our lines mm-hmm. and being the lead of of this of these of the story. Um, and then right after that is when I did Unbelievable. It was I, I thought the timing worked out really well because I was able to do Booksmart before mm-hmm. before that project before Unbelievable. Right. And yeah. Unbelievable is coming out very yeah. soon. And it is an extraordinary uh, series about a true story, which I did not know, actually, when I watched it. I did not realize that it was um, based on real-life people and real-life investigation. And you play a very challenging character, Marie, you know, a girl that's been in foster care or been in the system basically her whole life. And Mm -hmm. it starts off with a rape, and we watch what happens through the course of the the seven episodes. But for an actor, so much of what you have to do is withhold feeling. Yeah. And I wanted to just talk to you about your prep for that. Right. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Playing Marie was definitely probably the— biggest challenge I've had to face in in anything I've ever done. I think there was a certain amount of, not pressure, but to I had a need to get her right and do her story justice. And that was a feeling I had from the very beginning. I read the script actually on my last week of shooting Booksmart. It came to me at a time where, you know, I think every actor has has dealt with this at some point in time where you are doing something great and then all of a sudden it's coming to an end and you're like, okay, well, I have I have no work for the rest of this year as of right now. And I was just preparing myself mentally for that. And then Unbelievable came to my email and I read it immediately. I read the first episode. Um, it immediately, it, it broke my heart that this had it, this just happened. But yeah, I, I in playing Marie, I just wanted to know her story as best as I as best as I could, knowing the script like the back of my hand, really studying that. Um, I knew going into it a lot about the foster care system already because of a film I did called Short Term 12. Mm-hmm. Which we will talk about. <laughs> yeah. And I talked to Lisa and Susanna Grant in the prep stages of our shoot schedule. And I talked to Lisa about possibly talking to Marie, but I also didn't want to, I only wanted to do what, what she wanted to do and how, how much she wanted to be involved. It was completely 
up to her. And I knew immediately that the creators had respect for her privacy because because of the way they were handling everything. And they just I knew it was going to be a really good project because they had so much respect for it and they had so much passion. I also the biggest thing that stuck out to me, I guess, when when in approaching the role, I remember reading that Marie, you know, she's had such an an incredible, um, incredibly tough life. And that's apparent in in the series. And when you listen to the podcast, she's just had so much trauma in her life, aside from the assaults. And she just mentioned that she would um, use this on and off switch. And whenever she's feeling down, she can just turn it off. And I think that for someone to be able to do that in a time when you are just so, so down and you feel like you cannot get up, for someone to be able to do that is is, is just incredible. I feel like if, if you can do that, you are just so, 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 so brave. So I also knew that she... She was a very, very tough person and had a very, very tough upbringing. And I just wanted to give give that justice, really. And I also realized that I had to just, like, let everything about myself go because I had to do everything for her and her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What makes watching it for me so compelling is it's like death by a thousand cuts. You mm-hmm. know, you want the police to be the bad people, but they're not. Um, And it's actually the women that are trying to help Marie in her life, or they contribute to this this chain of events that that happens. And I don't want to give too much away because it is is so well done. And I mean, Tony Collette, Merritt Weaver, like the cast. Oh my God. There's a lot of great people. Yeah, there's so many good people in this. That's another thing that just blew me away when I got this project. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, Lisa Cholendenko and Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver. I have a story about Tony Collette. <laughs> um, I so I didn't have I it's for people who are about to watch the show or the, I don't have um, any scenes with Tony, but I was sitting at a, a dinner that Netflix put together before we started um, filming, and I was mustering up the courage to tell her this story. And basically, I told her the story, and the story is. The first scary movie my parents let me watch was The Sixth Sense. And bef- all the stuff I grew up watching was probably Lizzie McGuire, even Stevens, That's mm-hmm. So Raven. All of that <laughs> sort of shaped me as a person. Um, but I had never seen a film like The Sixth Sense before. And I saw Tony Collette in that movie and just thought, oh, my God, she's like, I remember so clearly thinking that that's a real person. She's a real person with real feelings. And she has just real emotions and she's sort of the person that inspired me to want to be an actor in the first place. Um, So I was able to tell her that story and um, she was, she was very honored. She was very touched, I think, but the bottom line was just, it was just a cool thing that I finally got to tell Tony Collette Tony Collette was the reason why I wanted to do acting in the first place. It was a big moment for me. It was yeah. really kind of crazy. It was really crazy. Understandably so. I mean, I uh, Tony Collette, Mariel at the wedding. I remember that was a small movie out of Australia. And that's 
she was just so incredible in that. If you haven't seen it, no, I haven't. Seen I would it. find that and and watch that. That okay. was one of her very first roles. But you've had an interesting journey uh, to this chair right here. <laughs> <laughs> you always, it feels like from jump, always wanted to be an actor, right? I mean, I know yeah. your dad, you, you can't read anything about you without knowing that your dad was the voice of, of Barney, the yes. giant purple dinosaur, yes. right? That was one of his jobs. I love talking about that. So it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so specific. It's, it's so fantastic. Weird. Well, my parents yeah. went from being figure skaters. My dad then was the voice of Barney, which is just like the most random I guess, I think. Were they partners, figure skaters? No, or just, they did uh, not. They were not pair skaters. Uh, um, my parents always make fun of me for knowing knowing the terms, the, the different terms for figure skating. So pair skating is what it's called. But yeah, they were just always competing against each other, sort of. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. They met so, when they were 16. Did you have met at 16? Wow. They, they started dating when they were 16. They know, they've known each other since they were 10, I think. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Did you feel a pressure to be an athlete younger or when you were younger, you and your sister, did you yeah. like to skate or to be in some kind of sport? Uh, my parents never put pressure on any of any of us, me and my sisters. I have another sister. She's 15. Her name is Jane. Um, Jane, Maddie and Kayla. Yeah. Different. Yeah. And um, yeah, they never, ever put pressure on us to do anything. Um, I was skating um, by the time I could walk practically, parents just put me on the ice and <laughs> I, I did compete, um, for a little bit, but I kind of just hated it. But my parents were always like open to anything that I wanted to do. So I tried gymnastics, I did soccer. I really did actually like soccer, but no, there was never any pressure to do any said thing. It was just all up to what I wanted to do. So when I said to them, I, I wanted to be an actor, and I, I, at the time, I probably was maybe six or seven when I approached them about this idea that I had. I think I thought you could just do acting. You could just sort of... Of course, you're six. Yes, I'm six. <laughs> I don't know anything. And um, I think by the time I finally started going to acting classes, I, I, I begged them. They put me in acting classes in Texas and Dallas where I grew up. I remember coming home the day after my first day at acting classes, and I just thought, "Oh my God, I, I this is the." I, I thought it was like the best day of my life, and I think it was because like I just loved making people laugh all the time. Like I love that feeling; it's one of the best feelings in the world, making people laugh and moving people. And yeah, I have no idea how I knew it at such a at such a young age. It's kind of weird to think about. And it's interesting, too, because you gave up a lot. The family moved to L.A., so yeah. that must have been its own kind of unconscious pressure. You know, you're the reason you're moving, right? you yeah. know, moving states yeah. uh, for your other siblings. Yeah. And we all know how challenging this profession is, yeah. the auditions, the rejection, the yeses, the nos. And yeah. like you just said, like you work for something. You think this is it, and then it's like— Oh, no. Yeah. No one saw that movie. <laughs> right. Exactly. Another question uh, I was dying to ask you is about, you know, Booksmart deals a little bit with these, with, you know, teenagers that are so myopic and focus so much on, you know, we have to get great grades. Yeah. We're going to all these schools and Ivy yeah. League. And then you realize I loved just the beginning of that when we're like, oh, yeah, I got into Yale, too. And I, <laughs> I, I'm a fuck up. And I, yeah. you know, did all these things. And it's just like that realization yeah. of, of kind of the unfair fairness in the world and whatnot, but as time has marched on a bit, do you 
miss any of that stuff that you gave up, you know, the yeah. the relationships, the those the, the kind of friendships and the, you know, as corny as it is, the proms or the dates or the, you know, social interaction of, yeah. of school. I guess there was a, an element of, of, of feeling like I was giving up a little part of something I would have had had I not gone into acting. But it always felt worth it to me because I loved doing what I was doing so much so that, yes, while it would have been fun to go to, like, high school every day, I sort of felt like I knew what I wanted to do. And I did get to go to prom with my sister. I actually crashed her prom. Um, So I did get to experience prom. I did have, like, a high school graduation. I had a speech at my graduation even though the high school that I went to was sort of a, um, like, independent studies type Mm -hmm. program. But it always felt worth it to me. I don't know why. It just felt worth it. And moving out here with my family, my parents, again, they never put pressure on me to do anything that I didn't want to do. And I remember them telling me when I first came out here, we were only coming out for a month just to try it. And my parents wanted to give me a shot but also be extremely realistic with me and say, Caitlin, this is this is not going to be easy at all. And you are not going to book the first thing you got on. So just know that. But we are giving you the path and go take the path. And I booked the first thing I went out on. And after that, I went on so many things that I did not get. And I think that I, you know, being now, I guess I've been acting now for... 12 years and it's allowed me to sort of really have a a realistic outlook on everything and and I've had I've I've been able to meet so many incredible people and I'm learning so much too I feel I feel like I learn so much every day from all kinds of people all the different kinds of people that I'm meeting on all of these different jobs it's kind of wild how much I'm soaking it in. And I and I always feel like I'm so excited to be like 60 or 70 years old because I can't imagine the amount of people I will have met at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be so cool. I'm so excited <laughs> to get old. <laughs> so says a young person. I love that. <laughs> it's true, though. Well, let's talk about one yeah. of those people and, and one of those projects, which is Brie Larson and Short Term 12, which was a movie that came out a while ago that yeah. I think it was at uh, – South by Southwest, and yeah. and people were like, "Wow, what's this movie? Oh, wow, Brie Larson's so good in that." And I remember putting her on the one of the Hollywood covers for that, and and I had been Brie had been another actress that I'd been kind of watching evolve, mm-hmm. and now we look back on that, and it's an incredible cast. For one, you're in it, Lakeith Stanfield's. Who else is in it? Rami um, Malek. Rami Malek. John Gallagher. Destin Cretton. Yeah, it's. Kind of, it's really wild. It's really wild. I don't remember a lot. My memory is kind of bad, but like the the audition for that alone was just so so intense. I remember it being one of the hardest auditions I I I had ever had to do because I had to do sort of my characters lashing out scenes in a chair in a small tiny casting office in front of. Destin, our director, and I remember auditioning and having a callback and then getting it, and 
shooting that movie with everybody, I remember just being so calm and nice. It was such a family-oriented set, and I think it was really um, Destin's aura, I think. He has such a calm and collected and sweet and warm aura that I think it just like bled onto everyone onto that set, even though the the scenes we were doing every day were were very difficult. And most of my scenes were with Brie. It was just so cool that I got to work with her at 14 years old and and learn from her and take it all in. It was... Um, and she's like you, you know, she knew very early on that she wanted to be know, yeah. an actor. And, and I mean... What's interesting about that movie, she plays a counselor, obviously, and, and with troubled kids. You know, you you familiar, like you said, about the foster care system. Yeah. And also um, with Destin, I think it was based personally on some of his own experiences. Yeah, he right? used to work at a foster care facility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you still talk to Brie now? Do you run into her at all? Or The last time I saw her, because she's such, you know, she's... Captain Marvel now, and she's a very busy lady. Mm-hmm. And um, the last time I saw her, though, um, we were roller skating through this party together for Planned Parenthood, and <laughs> I ran into her literally roller skating around. And uh, <laughs> I remember That's... her specifically saying, she's like, if you ever need anything at all, you call me. If you ever need anything. And I think that that's it's just so nice to have all of these pals that I know that are that are working in there, and I don't get to see them a lot. But if I ever needed anything, that they're there and they're a call away, which is really cool. Do you watch movies and television on your downtime at all? I really listen to music on my downtime. I'm constantly trying to discover new people and um, listening to different kinds of genres really helps me with my writing. But I I am that person who hasn't seen a lot of movies, which is I'm really trying to get better at that. Like I haven't seen The Godfather and people get very angry at me because of that. Um, Some people take away your SAG card. Are you kidding me? Like The Godfather. <laughs> people are like, what's the one no, movie? Don't take it away. I promise. I have a plan. I'm supposed to watch it with my dad. I said, Dad, we're going to sit down one day and have a cold one and watch The Godfather. I swear to God, it's going to happen one day. <laughs> you might need a couple six-pack of cold ones. It's a long I know, movie. It's like six then hours. Because then you're going to have to watch Godfather 2. I know. Maybe Godfather 3. I would say you should watch it. But, okay. you know, there's argument on either side of that. Okay. But yes, definitely one and two. Okay. Sure. One and two. I'm going to get on that. I swear. Yeah. I did read that um, Olivia made you guys watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes. Which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, really? So you have that one down. I have that one down. I've seen movies. I've seen all the John Hughes movies. I don't know what I'm talking about. I've seen movies. I watch movies. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to get better at watching, like, the I guess the classics, because there's a lot of classics I haven't seen. Um but yeah, I do watch a lot of TV on my downtime. I've I just finished watching Sex Education, which I really loved, and Big Little Lies too. Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. lot of good stuff right now. Do you feel like there is a camaraderie around young actors? You just mentioned Big Little Lies. I think of Catherine Newton, who yeah. I interviewed here. We did Bad Teacher together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> years ago. Yeah. I think so. You know, my I have so many close friends in the industry and 
Yeah, there is a sense of camaraderie. Um, I think it's even gotten more apparent since I've gotten older. And my best friend is Margaret Qualley. And she, yeah, she is killing everything. She is doing so, so well right now. And I'm so, so happy for her. Um, and we're constantly calling each other and talking about projects that we're both going out for. And it's just, it's so cool that I get to share that with somebody and who's literally going through the same things that I'm going through. And I definitely feel like there's a sense of camaraderie with all of these young actors. There's so many talented people. Having watched the the business uh, for decades now, two decades now, it does feel like there's a change in that. And I don't know whether it's one of the benefits of social media or the way there's so much more content that there's more room for different characters and different people and different things. But it yeah. does seem like there is this plethora of of fresh young talent yeah. and they're all rooting for each other. There's room for everybody, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. I think there is a lot of room for everybody. I think there's more room than there used to be for sure. But also, I think social media definitely has changed the game in so many ways. I think that there are people that I wouldn't have necessarily connected with had I not literally been on Instagram, which is wild to think about. But, yeah, it's definitely changed the game. Mm -hmm. I know it's so different. It used to be like, you know, (laughs) actors would change their numbers all the time. And, you know, I think it's so funny that I will communicate with very famous people on occasion through Instagram, the most public of all platforms. Whereas before in the past, it was just, you know, it was an email or a phone call or an agent or publicist or, you know, there's certain different things. Or like you said, you would run into someone roller skating. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And now you can have that experience uh, on your phone, good and bad. Yeah. So funny. Uh, What's next for you? What are you what are you planning for the rest of the year? Do you have stuff lined up or you can take a break? Well, I just finished doing um, an episode for a show that BJ Novak is doing called Platform. And it's an anthology series. And I did this first pilot episode with Lucas Hedges. Um, So I just finished that. And that's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really iconic. And I think it's, it's really, it's, it's very, very funny and very sweet. And, and just, I think it'll warm a lot of people's hearts when they get to see it. So that's something that I did for, I think we did like a six day shoot on that, um, like two weeks ago. And now I'm sort of just in this place where I'm deciding really what I want to do next. And, you know, I, I just did book smart and then I have unbelievable coming out and I'm, I'm excited to, I guess that's what I'm doing, right? It, right. Physically right now mm-hmm. <laughs> is talking about unbelievable a lot and traveling for it and, showing the world the show and then yeah writing a lot I'm writing music I I'm gonna release a single with my sister soon um do you play what's your instrument like your go-to my go-to instrument is a guitar yes I play guitar and my sister plays piano Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I'm just writing I just Mm -hmm. I'm really getting in the I'm really loving sitting down and, and starting my morning listening to music and dancing in my in my room and then sitting down and writing 
that's what I've been doing right now. <laughs> All right. So these are questions. You've answered some of these, but I ask everybody these four questions. And one of them is, what are you listening to? So when you say music, is there anybody specifically that you're listening to or into at this moment in time? Um, I've been listening to Angelo Augustine, who has sort of like an Elliot Smith sort of tone, but he's just released a, a fairly new album. It's really, really good. Specifically, I listened to Maggie Rogers this morning, mm -hmm. listened to Falling Water this morning. A lot of Tarzan yesterday. Don't know why. <laughs> the soundtrack of Tarzan really gets me. The You Will Be in My Heart by Phil Collins. I don't know. I go So that just kind of shows you the wide range of, of stuff that I listen to. Um, the Cure is my all-time favorite band. Oh, my God. I love The Cure. Yeah. I love, I the love Cure. it so much. I remember, you know, my dad used to play it growing up in Texas and... And it would just be on in the car, and I hated it so much. I just wanted my dad to turn it off now. And now I love it so much. Maybe it's just nostalgic or something, but I've gotten to see them twice in concert. Wow. Yeah, and I took my dad both times, and I just love them. You can turn them on when you're happy. You can turn them on when you're sad. They're a great, great yeah. band. I will agree with you on that. Yep. Uh, what are you reading? I'm finishing The Unbearable Lightness of Being, and I'm finishing Educated by Tara Westover. Oh, those are two classics. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of working on both of them right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and what are you eating? What am I eating? Um, I had um, chicken salad yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have any any what's your guilty pleasure what, what's your crafty uh, cheetos, guilty cheetos. cheetos oreos Classic. definitely oreos do you like it's the double one. stuffed or the double extra stuffed? thin no 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 it's too much it's too much even the little thin ones are dangerous because you think i'm eating less because they're thinner but in in reality you're eating probably double the amount of oreos Oh, God. What else? So are you I like, a, I'm going to have an Oreo? Oreo, do you actually mean like I'm going to have three Oreos? Um, oh, like seven Oreos, probably. Seven. Okay. I, do, I have. <laughs> this is the thing with me. I have no self-control. <laughs> and when it comes to cookies, there ain't no stopping me. <laughs> they heard it here first. Um, my family calls me cookie. Uh -huh. Side note. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> they call me cookie at the house because I... Love cookies, and that's it. When I when I am a grandma, and I I want to be I want to be called Grandma Cookie by my grandchildren at one point. <laughs> uh, that's who I will be. Um, uh, I would love yes. to hang out and listen to the Cure and eat some Oreos with you. That would be oh, a fun. That'd be such a nice time. That would be. A we nice should time. do that. <laughs> we should definitely do that. Um, and then the other question you kind of answered too, which is what's the last thing you watched? And you were talking about Sex Education. Yeah, Sex Education was definitely. I loved it so much. It's a great show. It's such a good show. Such a good show. Oh, mm -hmm. I love it. I mm -hmm. can't wait for season two. Now, is there anybody that is in on your list? that you would love to work with? Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm dying to work with Katherine Hahn. I want to work with her so bad. Um, I, I really love Joaquin Phoenix. My favorite movie is Walk the Line. 
It's always been one of my favorite Johnny movies. Cash, you and I are getting along oh, so yes, well here. Yes, this is so good. Um, <laughs> oh, I loved him. He was incredible. That There's something so about good? Joaquin that he can play the most horrible characters or tortured characters, but you're always rooting for him. It's like he has something where you're just... I think he allows people to really see into his soul or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I just... You can see it. You could just... You could just see it in his eyes. God, I've I've really I've just always loved him so much. Oh, who else am I dying to work with? Um, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much. Um, obviously, like Meryl Streep and and God, I, I, there's so many. I can't. Mm. I there's so many. I'm just dying to work with. Just I'm just I just want to meet new people all the time mm-hmm. and learn. That's all I want to do. Yeah. It's great. Well, it's great to chat with you, Caitlin. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Unbelievable is streaming this month on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Present Company is produced by Netflix and Gimlet Creative. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.